Locked and Down, The Reset with Cindy Paluta is brought to you by Salal. Mind, body, Salal. 702 presents Locked and Down podcast. The Reset with Cindy Paluta. Welcome everyone again to Locked and Down The Reset. I'm Cindy Paluta. Thank you so much for listening in today. We're continuing our journey to a reset and today we're talking about work life after COVID. We've had many people contacting us on our social media platforms using the hashtag The Reset, asking us to please get an expert in to discuss why returning to work after lockdown has been so hard. You're telling us there's a number of reasons for this. You've realized the commute to work is too long or you're angry that your boss won't let you work from home and being around people has just become too much. Returning to work for many has not held the same appeal as it did before lockdown. We've got psychologist Sikanda Kala to guide us through all these mixed feelings. Sikanda, thank you for joining us. So let's get straight into it. It's been a crazy roller coaster. So would you agree that returning to work has brought mixed emotions and feelings for so many? Most certainly. And uh, thank you for having me as well. You know, the pandemic in itself has brought so much adjustment. There was so much uncertainty. You know, we, we look at it now where we are in the pandemic period and we've now finding some sense of normalcy again. But I think we forget just how intense it was at the very beginning from an adjustment perspective and more so from an anxiety perspective mm-hmm. with all of the uncertainty, the change in structure and routine. I think at the very beginning, there was a sense of a shared experience of going through this together. And I think that at least created some buffer and some cushioning that allowed for us to to just sit in the space. But I think as time went by and we realized that, hey, this is something that's going to stick around for a while, we then started becoming more and more anxious of what does it actually mean for our lives? What does it mean for job security? What does it mean for financial security? What does it mean for our loved ones and, and all the loss that we were experiencing at the time, particularly through the, the more significant strains of the virus? So in that context of uncertainty, This is just an extension when we talk about workplace dynamics as well. When we think about the adjustment that we had to kind of endure at the Mm. very beginning, and now we need to endure that from a workplace adjustment perspective. You know, we're creatures of habit at the end of the day. And I think to find that structure and that routine in all domains of functioning, whether that's our sleep, whether that's our appetite, our energy, our memory, our concentration, all of these things, we have to find some form of routine and structure as we're navigating through our lives. With all of the dynamics, we don't function within a vacuum. So families pulling on one end, other loved ones are pulling on another end, and friends and all of these dynamics, the interpersonal dynamics, but also our own physical health and routine. We also know a lot of individuals struggled with physical health during the pandemic period, not being able to get access to the gym and things like that. That threw us out of sync a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then when we think about workplace dynamics, that's a place where we're always expected to perform at our very best. You know, it's, it's one of those spaces where it's an evaluative space mm, all mm. the time. And I think in an evaluative space, we feel a lot of anxiety when we feel like, where are we going? And, mm. and what is the sense of direction here? So I really think that sort of adjustment plays a massive role in how we function. And you touched on such an important word there. It's the unpredictability and humans don't like change. We, we are really, are as much as we say, oh, change is as good as a holiday. We actually yeah. don't do that very well. So in your practice, what are the main concerns and stresses that people are experiencing with return to work? Yeah, I think in the South 
South African context in particular, we, we face a lot of structural and systemic challenges. You know, you know, I was talking about we don't function within a vacuum. And I think South Africa is a context where that's more pertinent than, than anywhere else, you know, with massive inequality that we see, with the unemployment rate that we see. And I think on a global level, we're also seeing inflation and, and all these like uh, cost of living increases. And, you know, it's, it's not only about how one functions at work, but it's also about how work creates a protective barrier against yes. some of these difficulties and these systemic challenges. And I think in a context where job insecurity is so high, financial insecurity is so high, we're then always thinking about that. So first and foremost, I see that sort of anxiety, mm. the anxiety of will I be able to sustain myself, but more so would I also be able to provide for my loved ones? Mm. And also at the same time, when we're dealing with tight margins, the employer always wants one to be performing as best as possible. And I think we also then see that sort of workplace stress of demand, demand yes. and deliverables. And we're seeing people then saying, hey, I'm struggling and mm. I'm burning out in a sense. And I think the burnout component is also massive, particularly at this time of the year, yeah. where we see a lot of people that have been pushing at their very most throughout the year. And now they're running on fumes, trying to get through the final stretch of the year. And interestingly enough, you then go into the festive period, which comes with its own challenges. You know, an increase in interpersonal expectations. Yep. Sometimes there's avoidance of familial dynamics throughout the year and you use workplace as an excuse. But mm. over the festive period, it's very difficult to use that as an excuse. So you then find people struggling to say, hey, what about my boundaries over the festive period? You know, my boundaries throughout the workplace has already been stretched. You know, mm. late hours. We saw this even during the, the more intense and acute aspects of the pandemic where a lot of individuals were working in the late hours of the night and what have you. And it blurred those sort of yeah. lines of what time is knockoff time in a mm. sense. And we see it now also with still the, the hybrid model mm. that sometimes there's a bit of overlap. So there's already been a blurring of boundaries in the workplace. But now as we enter this period of the year, there's a blurring of boundaries in all other domains. Mm. So I also hear that sort of stress of how am I going to navigate through the festive period, which should be a time of rejuvenation, but it can actually come with a lot of exhaustion. And then I get sent into the new year and that comes with a whole uh, dynamic as well. It feels like a never ending circle, yeah. like it just keeps going round and round. And I mean, for many, they were, you know, they were badly affected by COVID. We forget that a lot of people ended up in ICU and recovered, but have long COVID or long lasting effects. And there's that fear in the back of your mind that you're going to contract COVID again, or you're going to get sick again. Do you see a lot of people coming in, still coming into your practice, a lot of COVID anxiety like that? Indeed, indeed. Uh, I do think the individuals that suffered from comorbidities, as well as the individuals with long COVID, uh, I, you know, the clinical term we refer to it as sequelae, which is when there is some form of persistent medical consequence following some form of uh, a medical fallout mm. and we do see that and and sometimes it triggers other things you know you know sometimes your anxiety could be triggered as well from like a contamination anxiety and sometimes there can be presentations of an obsessive compulsive sort to really be quite avoidant of any form of contaminants so there's, there's many manifestations of it and also in the in the sentiment of us not functioning within a vacuum we also need to think about how covid decimated certain relationships as well yeah. i think in south africa with the high gender-based violence and domestic violence, we also saw exacerbation of those sort of issues mm. and more so even substance use uh, disorders as well. You know, with the high rates of alcohol use and, and other forms of drugs, we saw that being exacerbated. And we also saw with the restrictions on that, just how intense of, of, of a need there was for that. And sometimes also a strong sense of dependency on that to cope, yeah. which is also a pertinent issue in the South African context that we often find ourselves living lives of quiet desperation and we're just trying to hold on. And in that trying to hold on framework, you find a lot of individuals utilizing whatever they can to cope. And those coping mechanisms can sometimes be 
kicking the can down the road. And at the time you need to pick up that can, yeah. it's, it's, it's that much worse. Need to pick up the can and throw it away, right? <laughs> um, I've had so many people reach out and share that they're feeling like less productive back at work. That being, you know, being around your colleagues, not what it used to be. It doesn't feel the same. The business ex- you touched on, it has to overperform after lockdown. People are being un- put, un- put under a lot of pressure because financially we almost lost two years and it's just adding to that stress. It's the end of year push. It's a lot of people having to work harder. You've got targets, deadlines, you know, you're tra- trying to wrap things up before the end of the year. It's just that push, push. It feels manic and overwhelming. It's like a cocktail of emotion out there. Indeed. And I think we need to be so mindful of most occupational settings are a marathon, not a sprint, but we navigate through them as they are a sprint. Yeah. And, and I think the sustainability of how we function is something we always need to be mindful mm. of because sometimes you can get a lot done in a short amount of time, but then you don't have fuel in your tank to sustain that mm. marathon mm. and it ends up just catching up to you. So we need to be mindful of how can I be effective and meet my deliverables, but also at the same time, be mindful of I don't only work one month in the year. Mm. Then that's an integration of, in my opinion, boundaries, but mm. also an integration of sustainability frameworks and self-care frameworks as well. Like what can you do to rejuvenate yourself? Not only putting boundaries to say, hey, don't stretch me this thing, but also boundaries to say, this is my time in which I recuperate and rejuvenate as well. So, I mean, that comes back to the role of the employer then. Are they not obliged to then help employees adjust to life back in the office? I mean, do you have perhaps any examples of where employers have done this well, where they've gone, okay, hang on guys, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we haven't had training for two Mm. years because we've been at home and we need to get back onto the racetrack. You know, like many things in life, the first place is effective communication. At the end of the day, we need to understand that, sure, we can have generalized systems that are applicable to most individuals to create a baseline and standardization and all of these things. But human beings carry nuance and they're unique. And what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for the other. And I think in that context, we need to be mindful of a more tailored, nuanced conversation and that qualitative interaction. And in, in the context of being fast-paced and, and, and wanting to meet certain deliverables, we sometimes forget that at the end of the day, you need people to be able to meet those deliverables and you need that quality interaction to be able to understand what is best needed to optimize individuals at their level of optimization. And that requires effective communication. If you skip on that, it's going to come back to bite Mm. you. So I think we can compromise on certain things, but not others. And I think employers need to be mindful of that within specific systemic and structural frameworks as well. We're always talking about how we have one of the best constitutions in the world Mm. and how our labor laws are so phenomenal, but we also need to implement those effectively. It's not just about the theoretical framework, but it's about the daily implementation of it. And I think the more a civil society and the more as employees, we're mindful of our rights, the more we can also speak to them and, and, and also be able to say, hey, this is something reasonable that I'm asking for. And to not be afraid of that, you know, to be assertive enough to say, this is a professional context. I have a professional request. Let's have a discussion about it. Because I think a lot of people struggle with standing up and finding their voice in the workplace saying, hang on a second, because we rely on our jobs. You, you, you can't be in a position where now you push back and then it comes at the risk of losing your job because we still need to, we still need to look after ourselves and feed our families, etc. So it's, it's very difficult actually to find your voice. And I, I have found a lot of people do struggle to ask for stuff that is legit 
ultimately theirs. Indeed, indeed. It really is easier said than done. Yeah. That's why we, we need to constantly keep working at it. And and it's one of those things, you know, like how do we normalize mental health in a sense? We have conversations like this. Yes. You know, it's that open dialogue where, where it starts reinforcing that this is fine to speak about. It creates a corrective experience of sorts to say what is hidden it does not necessarily need to be hidden. Because I think sometimes we feel awkward to have these conversations because we think it's only happening to us. Mm. Meanwhile, it's maybe the predominant picture in the yeah. setting, but everyone's thinking it's just happening to them. Mm. And I think the more we have these conversations, the more comfortable people will feel to say, hey, let me, let me speak about it and let's see where we go. My guest today is psychologist Sikanda Kala. Coming up, I'm asking about the responsibilities of the employer in helping our transition back to the workplace. You might have your eye on the bottom line, but success also relies on the people that work for you. There's lots to still learn in this episode of Locked and Down, The Reset. It's said that health is wealth, and in the pursuit of wellness, many are looking beyond medicines that manage symptoms and choosing supplements that can provide real health solutions in support of more holistic lifestyles. Salal offers a comprehensive range that combines micronutrients with concentrated plant extracts. Only the highest quality ingredients to nourish your body and mind with essential vitamins for overall health. Mind. Body. Salal. Locked and Down Podcast. The Reset. With Cindy Paluta. Employers need to be, you said it, mindful of the fact of, you know, empathy because they've got to remember that they, if you're at the top, you started at the bottom. So if the guy at the bottom is coming to you and saying, hang on, I'm not coping, don't look at it as, oh, he can't do his job. Let's kick him out. Actually, what can I do to put in place to help this person? Exactly. The the humility to realize that we all struggle at, at various points mm. and, and struggle in that moment is not necessarily indicative of an inability to get through the moment. It's more the parameters in which we're functioning in. And if we can solve those parameters with whatever sort of permutations we need to give a try to, once we get that right, we then get optimization. And an optimization for the employee and optimization for the employer. So it's almost the synergenic, mutually beneficial space. Spot on. Um, what about identifying signs of workplace-related stress? So I'm in the workplace and I don't even realize that I'm stressed. Does it manifest in, does stress manifest in different ways? Most certainly. I think with the, with the nuance of, of different um, personality variations, I think that's where we need to think about that as well because some individuals may lean a little bit more introverted and they may find that a little bit of social isolation in that space works best for them. You know, they're kind of hardwired into what they're doing and they get this tunnel vision focus and it works really well for them. And then they maybe get that interpersonal nourishment in their personal relationships. So maybe that works perfectly for them. Other individuals may lean a little bit more extroverted and may need a little bit more social interaction. And for them, maybe working from home comes with its own particular set of dynamics and their personal relationships is not enough for them to feel that nourishment. So so you need to be mindful of how your personality leans as well. And then to think about how can you function within the parameters of your workplace to find that sort of optimized state for you. Mm-hmm. So it's a balancing act. You know, it's, it's what is possible and then what can I do within the parameters of what's possible. And you need to figure that out. Sometimes it's trial and error. Um, but I think if you navigate through it in a way that is uh, reasonable to the context, there is enough maneuverability for that trial and error. But I also think it, it speaks to how important self, how important 
self-awarenesses mm. to be able to track and monitor these things and, and to actually dedicate some time throughout the week to introspect and to say, I tried this this week. What are sort of my results and findings? And to almost approach it in like a scientific method, like mm. an experimental space. And you start realizing what works for you. And then you start implementing those things more frequently. And that's when you start building towards not only optimization, but sustainability. It's really about going internally. You know, sometimes you somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're so angry with yeah. that person, but actually you're not angry with that yeah. person. You're it's angry with the, with the 10 other people behind you who you've yeah. left in the office who've made you angry. It's quite interesting how stress manifests in different ways. Indeed, indeed. And I think you're speaking to the point of displacement where we, we sometimes displace some of our emotions into context or onto individuals that are not necessarily our sources mm. of frustration. And in the sentiment of us not functioning within a vacuum, I think that's where it gets so dangerous because we're displacing in so many different contexts that we then have to pick up the pieces yeah. of our displacement as well. And also on that point, repression and suppression of emotions as yes. well and, and the avoidance of certain things in the sentiment of kicking the can down the road and sweeping things under the rug. You know, I think it's so important to rather deal with things head on and maybe be able to diffuse, even if it, that's a cathartic release of emotion or that's solving things practically. Mm. I think it, it really goes a long way again, to sustainability. So if you find yourself coming home every day and you're so angry and now you're shouting at your children for absolutely no reason because they're excited to see you and now it's like, oh, hang on, you're too loud or whatever mm. the story is. Mm. But actually you're taking it out on those who you assume will love you forever and unconditionally because they are family. And exactly. I say that assume because it's not necessarily forever, but you assume that they will be accepting of it when actually you need to take a step back and go, hang on a second, perhaps the problem is the workplace because I'm unable to speak up there and I'm keeping it in in exactly what you're saying I'm, I'm suppressing it down and then I'm coming home and taking it out on those who I know are there for me indeed and, and I think not only is it the anticipation or the expectation that there'll be unconditional positive regard or unconditional love I think it also feels like a context where you can displace that mm. on you know sometimes one feels like the boundary of the occupational domain is such that I am not able to express myself and, and those particular emotions that I have so let me take it to a context where I can almost just displace that and there's no repercussions in any sort of punishment-based way. And I think that's something we need to be mindful of as well, that the two biggest driving forces of human behavior is often positive reinforcement, which is reward, and negative reinforcement, which is punishment. And I think the occupational domain and how it's such a boundary space often has that sort of sentiment mm. to it, that you are incentivized for reward in quite an evaluative and deliverable way. And then you are also sensitized to punishment. And in our personal relationships, we don't see the immediacy of that. Mm. We don't see that I do this and immediately these are the consequences. But it adds up cumulatively. And that's when, you know, by the time it's exploding, you're already on the back foot. So a, a more preventative approach and a preemptive approach can really go a long way there as well. And the reality is, despite all this change and emotional turmoil, like we can't just quit our jobs <laughs> because times are tough. Do you have any tips or suggestions or tools for those listening to this podcast? You know, how to hang in there and just to reset your work life for 2023 and beyond? Yeah, so I, I think in the sentiment of sustainability, we need to be thinking about the marathon 
and the sprint simultaneously and saying what is the balancing act that can happen here. So I would say that the mindfulness, if, if you've already been in an occupational context for a while, you're, you've been doing some subconscious data collection as well. You know, you kind of know what are the dynamics that play out in your space. And you also kind of know where the boundaries are going to be pushed a little bit, which times of the year is going to be really busy. So you, you have that sort of blueprint to work with. But sometimes we just have that subconscious day and we still just almost shocked each time it hits us. And I think it's important to do that introspection to say, hey, this has been happening for a while. How can I start preempting it a little bit more consciously? And what can I start doing to, to put measures in place to pull back on some of the intensity and the cuteness of it in that moment? So I think that would be the first thing. The second thing would be to also be firm with your boundaries of self-care, to say, what do I need to nourish me and rejuvenate me, to dissipate some of the burnout, and then to be unapologetic about demanding those things, mm. whether that's over the weekend and maybe you're not demanding it from your employer per se, but maybe you're putting boundaries in place in your personal life where you're saying, hey, I'm happy to go out and socialize on a Saturday, but Sunday's my day where I'm indoors and I'm kind of rejuvenating mm. and I need that sort of time mm. to myself. So it's, it's things like that, which is going to be very tailored to a specific individual. And I think it's on a case-by-case -case basis, it requires that sort of introspection and goes back again to the self-awareness. So I would actually say there's power in that self-awareness. You know, a lot of times individuals go to a psychological practitioner and they want the answers, the practical answers, like, tell me what to do. Fix me quick <laughs> exactly. and make it snappy. You've got 45 minutes. <laughs> and, and we need to realize that, you know, that instant gratification approach is probably what has gotten us to some of these difficulties yeah. and and we need to realize that you know a, a temporary fix is not going to give mm -hmm. us what we need so in the context of wanting those quick fixes we invalidate insight you know we sometimes think what is the value of just talking about things and just unpacking them and going into some of the history but there's so much value there because you learn more about yourself and the more you learn about yourself the, the larger your repertoire of information and your toolbox that you can kind of tap into to utilize to navigate through things more effectively. Mm. I think that is so important to be able to say, hey, the insight allows for better judgment mm. and better judgment allows for better decision-making and better decision-making results for more optimized, sustainable outcomes. So if I understand what you're saying, it's basically if you're feeling angry, it's because there's a reason. Anger is always the second emotion. Mm. You know, maybe you're feeling undervalued, you're mm. overworked, you're underpaid. Mm. Try start those conversations. Just see what's triggering you in the workplace. Perhaps make a note of it mentally or on your phone. Just say, oh, I felt angry today. Why? And you'll start to see perhaps a pattern forming. And it could be as simple as my old desk and I say your old desk because it was the pre-COVID desk is in the middle of the office and I'm so used to working alone at home now and that actually suited me better and I'd love a desk in the corner. And perhaps, you know, if you go to your boss and you say, yeah. can I get the quiet desk? They might move you to get better productivity out of you. Exactly, exactly. That a reasonable request that will result in better outcomes for everyone. And I think the, the receptiveness to that is usually high if it is explained within a framework that mm. makes sense, that's legitimate, that's reasonable. And that requires, again, the awareness mm. to be able to articulate exactly what the need is and why that is a need. And obviously that requires some level of vulnerability to be able to express that because sometimes we feel like, oh, I, I don't want to give uh, anyone some ammunition to think that I'm underperforming. But that, that also speaks to then trust in the occupational space as well. And I think that speaks to the quality of the relationships. And if you're in a marathon-based context, you need to think about building that trust and building those uh, quality relationships as some form of framework to navigate through things more sustainably.
So while COVID was the darkest of times, the silver lining is that more companies have been made aware of mental wellness and looking after their workforce. The onus is on the individual and the business to work together to try and manage that stress. And as you heard Sekanda say, to get through that marathon and not the sprint in order to contain that worrying, to ensure the employee's well-being doesn't stagnate. The only way to be productive is to find a balance. But if you are struggling, the best way to move forward is through connecting with other humans, your colleagues, your friends, your family, and even the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, also known as SADAG. They have a 24-hour helpline can guide you to get the best assistance. The number is 0800-456-789. So from me, Cindy Paluta, I hope you've we have helped you, and I look forward to your feedback on our social media pages using the hashtag TheReset. Until next time, be kind to yourself. 702 presents Locked and Down Podcast. The Reset with Cindy Paluta. Locked and Down The Reset with Cindy Paluta was brought to you by Salel. Mind, body, Salel.